Section 20 of The Trial of Susan B. Anthony by Anonymous. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Speech by Matilda Jocelyn Gage, Part 2. From the earliest ages, men have queried among themselves as to where lay the governing power. In the time of Abraham, and even now in some parts of the world, the patriarch of the tribe is looked upon as its supreme ruler. Members of Scottish clans to-day look with more reverence upon their chief than upon the queen. They obey his behests sooner than parliamentary laws. Other men have believed the governing power lay in the hands of a select few, an aristocracy, and that these few men could by right make laws to govern the rest. Others, again, have believed this power vested in a single man, called king, or czar, or pope. But it was left to our country, and our age, to promulgate the idea that the governing power lay in the people themselves. It took men a great many thousand years to discover this pregnant fact. And although our government laid down at the very first certain underlying truths, it has taken a very long time even for this country to see and practice these principles but as men have opened their eyes to liberty there have been constant advances towards securing its full blessings to each and every individual and in this progress we had first the declaration second the articles of confederation third the constitution then the ten conciliatory amendments quickly followed by an eleventh and twelfth, each one of these designed to more fully secure liberty to the people, and making fifteen successive steps in the short period of twenty-eight years. At the time of framing this government, women existed as well as men, women are part of the people, the people created the government. Now when speaking to you to-night, I am speaking to the people of this part of Ontario County, I am not speaking to men alone, I am not speaking to women alone, but to you all as people. When people frame a government, the rights not delegated by them to the government are retained by them, as is declared by the Tenth Amendment. Now where do men get their constitutional right to govern women? Women have either delegated their right of self-government to certain delegates, by them to be elected, according to all the forms of this government, or they have not so delegated their rights of self-government, but have retained them. In either case, according to the genius of our government, what is there to prevent them from exercising these rights any moment they choose, unless it is force? What prevents them? unless it is unjust illegal power. The Ninth Amendment declares that the enumeration of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Remember what are the foundation principles of just government, principles fully acted upon by the old revolutionists. Remember that no government of whatever kind or character can possibly create the right of self-government, but only recognize rights as existent. Remember, the non-use of a right does not destroy that right. I have a natural right to as much fresh air as I can breathe. If you shut me in a close room with door and windows barred, that does not invalidate my right to breathe pure fresh air. I have a natural right to obey the dictates of my own conscience, 
and to worship god as i choose if you are physically stronger than i am or if you are legally stronger than i am and use your strength to prevent the exercise of these natural rights you by no means destroy them though i do not use these rights i still possess them the framers of this government the men and the women who voted at that early day had never until then exercised their natural rights of self-government when they chose they took them up but people tell us it was not the intention to include women what then was the intention did the framers of the declaration intend to leave women under the government of great britain did they intend to set themselves and their male compeers free and leave women behind under a monarchy were not women intended to be included in the benefits of the constitution oh but says someone they were intended to be generally included but the amendments had nothing to do with them let us look at this is it possible to amend a constitution not in accordance with its underlying principles it can be repealed abolished destroyed but not amended except in accordance with its original character the supreme court of the united states has declared that the powers of the constitution are granted by the people and are to be exercised strictly on them and for their benefit story asks who are the parties to this great contract and answers the people of the united states are the parties to the constitution commentary on constitution legal rules 283 says this first paragraph of the constitution declaring its ends is the most vital part of the instrument revealing its spirit and intent and the understanding of its framers here we have the recognized legal rule that the understanding or intention of the framers of an instrument is to be found in its first paragraph and the first paragraph of the constitution declares it was framed by the people and for the purpose of securing the blessings of liberty to themselves and their posterity the native-born american women of today are the posterity of the framers of the constitution which was thus designed for their benefit the intention to include women is here positive women are part of the people now and ever have been rules of legal interpretation are general in their character and so general has the interpretation of the constitution been that not only did the people who framed the constitution and their posterity come in for its blessings but the people also of every nation and tongue from continent or isles of the sea who come to us are included in its benefits who can say our forefathers intended to include chinamen or sandwich islanders or the norwegian russian or italian in its benefits yet they do all share in it as soon as they become citizens how absurd we should think the assertion that it was not the lord's intention to hold the people of the united states under the law of the ten commandments as they were given to the jews alone some four thousand years before the united states existed as a nation massachusetts never abolished slavery by legislative act never intentionally abolished it in seventeen eighty that state adopted a new constitution with a bill of rights declaring all men born free and equal upon this some slaves demanded their freedom and their masters granted it 
the slavery of men and women both was thus destroyed in massachusetts without intention on the part of the framers of the constitution and this because it is a legal rule to argue down from generals to particulars and that the words of a statute ought not to be interpreted to destroy natural justice but as cook says whenever the question of liberty runs doubtful the decision must be given in favor of liberty digest constitutional law when a charter declares all men born free and equal it means intends and includes all women too it means all mankind and this is the legal interpretation of the language to go back to the constitution of the united states let us examine if women were not intended the first amendment reads congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances no mention is there made of women but who will deny it was not intended for them to enjoy the right of worshipping as they chose were they not to be protected in freedom of speech and in the right of assembling to petition the government for a redress of grievances not a man before me will deny that women were included equally with men in the intention of the framers the sixth amendment reads in all criminal prosecutions the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed which district shall have been previously ascertained by law and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation to be confronted with the witnesses against him to have compulsory processes for obtaining witnesses in his favor and to have the existence of counsel in his defense the words him and his are three times mentioned in this amendment yet no one can be found wild enough to say women were not intended to be included in its benefits miss anthony herself has already come under its provisions and were she denied a speedy and open trial she could appeal to the protection of this very amendment which not only does not say women or her but does alone say him and his and this notwithstanding the other legal adage that laws stand as they are written this whole question of constitutional rights turns on whether the united states is a nation if the united states is a nation it has national powers what is the admitted basis of our nation we reply equality of political rights and what again is the basis of political rights citizenship nothing more nothing less national sovereignty is only founded upon the political sovereignty of the individual and national rights are merely individual rights in a collective form the acknowledged basis of rights in each and every one of the thirty-seven states is citizenship not state citizenship alone as that alone cannot exist but first national citizenship national rights are the fundamental basis of state rights if this is not true then we are no nation but merely a confederacy held together by our own separate wills and the south was right in its war of secession 
every sovereign right of the united states exists solely from its existence as a nation as the nation has grown to know the needs of liberty it has from time to time thrown new safeguards around it as i have shown in its fifteen progressive steps since seventeen seventy six for sixty years there was no change slavery had cast its blight upon our country and the struggle was for state supremacy men forgot the rights and need of freedom but in eighteen sixty one the climax was reached and then came the bitter struggle between state and national power although our underlying principles were all right freedom required new guards and the right of all men to liberty was put in a new form an especial statute or amendment was added to our national constitution declaring that involuntary servitude unless for crime could not exist in this republic this statute created no new rights it merely affirmed and elucidated rights as old as creation and which in a general way had been recognized at the very first foundation of our government even as far back as the old articles of association before the declaration of independence this amendment was the sixteenth step in securing the rights of the people but it was not enough our country differs from every other country in that we have two kinds of citizenship first we have national citizenship based upon equal political rights a person born a citizen of the united states is by the very circumstances of birth endowed with certain political rights in this respect the circumstances of birth are very different from those of a person born in great britain a person born in great britain is not endowed with political rights simply because born in that country political rights in great britain are not based upon personal rights they are based upon property rights in england persons are not represented only property is represented that is the very great political difference between england and the united states in the united states representation is based upon individual personal rights therefore every person born in the united states every person not every white person nor every male person but every person is born with political rights the naturalization of foreigners also secures to them the exercise of political rights because it secures to them citizenship and they obtain naturalization through national law the war brought about a distinct and new recognition of the rights of national citizenship states had assumed to be superior to the nation in this very underlying national basis of voting rights but when certain states boldly attempted to thwart national power and vote themselves out of the union when by this attempt they virtually said there is no nation a new protection was thrown around individual personal political rights by a seventeenth step known to the world by the fourteenth amendment which defined not created citizenship all persons born or naturalized in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the united states and of the state wherein they reside thus recognizing united states citizenship as the first and superior citizenship miss anthony was not only born in the united states but the united states also has jurisdiction over her 
as is shown by this suit under which she was arrested in rochester and held there to examination in the same little room in which fugitive slaves were once examined from rochester she was taken to albany from albany back to rochester and now from rochester to canandaigua where she is soon to be tried she has thus been fully acknowledged by the united states as one of its citizens and also as a citizen of the state in which she resides in order to become a citizen of a state and enjoy the privileges and immunities of states a citizen of the united states must reside in a state citizenship of the united states secures nothing over the citizenship of other countries unless it secures the right of self-government state laws may hereafter regulate suffrage but the difference between regulating and prohibiting is as great as the difference between state and national citizenship the question of the war was the question of state rights it was the negro versus state rights or the power of states over the ballot the question today is woman versus united states rights or the power of the united over the ballot the moral battle now waging will settle the question of the power of the united states over the rights of citizens by the civil war the united states was proven to be stronger than the states it was proven we were a nation in so far that states were but parts of the whole the woman question of which in this pending trial miss anthony stands as the exponent is to settle the question of united states power over the individual political rights of the people it is a question of a monarchy or a republic the united states may usurp power as did the states but it has no rights in a sovereign capacity not given to it by the constitution or in other words by the people by the preamble we have discovered who are its people and for what purpose its constitution was instituted each and every amendment the first ten the eleventh twelfth thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth are only parts of the grand whole and must each and every one be examined in the light of the preamble each added amendment makes this change in the status of the people in that it gives new guarantees of freedom and removes all pretense of right from any existing usurped power people are slow to comprehend the change which has been effected by the decision as to state rights one claims that only the negro or persons of african descent were affected by it others claim and among them some prominent republicans that every civil right is by these amendments thrown under national control recently two or three suits have come before the united states on this apprehension one of these known as the slaughterhouse case came up from new orleans in the suit of certain persons against the state of louisiana a permit had been given certain parties to erect sole buildings for slaughter and in other ways control that entire business in the city of new orleans for a certain number of years a suit upon it was appealed to the supreme court of the united states on the ground of the change in the power of states by and through the last three amendments and on the supposition that all the civil power of the states had thus been destroyed the court decided it had no jurisdiction though in its decision it proclaimed the far-reaching character of these amendments in reference to the thirteenth amendment the court used this language we do not say that no one else but the negro can share in this protection 
both the language and spirit of these articles are to have their full and just weight in any question of construction undoubtedly while negro slavery alone was in the minds of the congress which proposed the thirteenth article it forbids any kind of slavery now or hereafter if mexican peonage or the chinese coolie labor system shall develop slavery of the mexican or chinese race within our territory this amendment may be safely trusted to make it void this is the language used by the supreme court of the united states in reference to this thirteenth amendment prohibiting any all and every kind of slavery not only now but in the hereafter and this although the decision also acknowledges the fact that only african slavery was intended to be covered by this amendment the court further said and so if other rights are assailed by the states which properly and necessarily fall within the protection of these articles that protection will apply although the party interested may not be of african descent what other rights fall within the protection of these articles what other rights do these amendments cover the fourteenth article after declaring who are citizens of the united states and of states still further says no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the united states nor shall any state deprive any person of life liberty or property without due process of law nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws this comprises the first section of that amendment the jurisdiction and protection of the general government applies to united states citizens by its prosecution of miss anthony the general government acknowledges her as a citizen of the united states and what is much more it acknowledges its own jurisdiction over the ballot over the chief chief did i say over the only political right of its citizens this prosecution is an admission of united states jurisdiction instead of state jurisdiction this whole amendment with the exception of the first clause of the first section which simply declares who are citizens of the united states and states is directed against the interference of states in the rights of citizens but in miss anthony's case the state of new york has not interfered with her right to vote she voted under local laws and the state said not a word has taken no action in the case consequently the united states has had no occasion to interfere on that ground the question of state rights was not as great a question as this what are united states rights can the united states in its sovereign capacity overthrow the rights of its own citizens no it cannot for the fifteenth amendment to the constitution specifically declares the right of citizens of the united states to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the united states or by any state on account of race color or previous condition of servitude end of section twenty